Hi, I'm Allie. I'm an alcoholic. And yes, I am a parent and I have a babysitter, so hopefully everything's okay. I have, my sobriety date is, well, let's just say I have almost 20 months, I think. I think that's right. Um, I celebrated 18 months recently. I've never shared my story before, so I'm going to try to keep it relevant. And I'll start with a little bit of what it was like. And I just wanted to share like small background because I think it will be helpful. So I grew up in the Bay Area. Don't hate me for moving from California. Um, I My parents are still together. All of the grandparents were alcoholics, all four of them. And three out of four of the siblings of like my brothers and sisters, three of us are alcoholics or drug addicts. So it's definitely in our family. And then there's a lot of drama too because my grandfather ended up marrying two sisters. So um, my my dad, all of his cousins ended up being his brothers and sisters, um, which was really, it was just, I mean, they drank a lot in those days. But how that come how that deals with me is my parents it, it was very much like a don't ask, don't tell situation for me growing up. They just didn't want to know things. Uh, I remember once telling my mom I had a friend who was like always kissing me all the time, a girlfriend of mine when I was like six, and I told my mom, and after telling her the second time, she was like, "Well, it sounds like you have something to do with this and it was sort of the attitude was like we're not talking about this. Like, don't tell me these things. So I definitely learned that at a very young age to just not share things with my parents and to be dishonest. As for when I was growing up, I was very, very thin. I played on a competitive soccer team and I was sort of the joke of the team, I felt like. I was made fun of a lot and um, by my coaches, by my teammates and that was kind of a theme of my life. I've always kind of felt like a joke. And even sharing my story right now, I feel like I have a weird story or like, I don't know, I'm I'm very much conscious of what other people think of me as, but when I first walked into Bolden, the atmosphere just made me really feel like I could take off my mask. And so I'm gonna try to do that right now. So we'll talk about my first drunk. When, When I got to high school, I looked like a Hanson brother, if any of you remember what, <laughs> what Hanson was. I was not like a cute freshman, but somehow I got invited to a party with like the two most beautiful freshman girls, and we were the only three girls at the party, and it was all sophomore boys, and I was terrified because I just, I wasn't good at talking to boys. But after three Smirnoff ices, I was the happiest I think I've ever been. I was able to talk to people, and I remember um, being driven home by one of the boys, and I was throwing up in his car, and I, w- I was like hugging the toilet bowl, but I went to bed so happy that night because I just felt like I- it was the best thing ever, and I wanted to do it again right away. So that was pretty much what high school was. Every weekend was like that, sometimes on the weekdays. But I went to a Catholic school, so it was really strict. And there were lots of rumors all the time. And the way that I drank, I did embarrassing stuff all the time. 
I mean, I'll be honest with you guys because you've probably done the stuff too. <laughs> but one time I, and I was completely blacked out, but I, I like pulled down my pants and I just peed on the carpet um, in the middle of a party. And, you know, all the boys like took photos of like photos around me. They were like doing football poses, but this was back in the day of disposable cameras. So luckily it never like surfaced. Um, that was the kind of shit I did, and then people would talk at school, and I didn't remember these things, and I had just like a totally different persona at school. So fast forward to college, um, I ended up going to the number two party school in the country. I went to UC Santa Barbara, and when I, I went there actually for the summer session before school started, and I discovered day drinking <laughs> which was the best thing ever um you know being able to drink all day and pass out for a little bit and then keep the party going all night and then wake up and do it again was just like it it was so awesome to me um I started having some consequences I uh was blacking out all the time pissing off my roommates I was getting in trouble with uh police I ended up in the drunk tank like in jail twice for being drunk in public. I cheated on my boyfriend. I was in a sorority and I was like too drunk at the events and they had, I was embarrassing the sorority. <laughs> this was just like normal for me and, and also having casual sex and just like, I was just, I was a total mess. I also had an eating disorder at the time and it was just all slowly falling apart. And eventually I had to, um, I had to leave school. I hadn't been going to school. And I went home, and I was trying to do the same thing at home with my parents. And they were like, we don't know what's going on with you. Like, somehow they still didn't know I was, like, a total drunk at this point. But they were like, you need to figure it out. Otherwise, we're, we'll give you a couple thousand dollars, or we'll give you a thousand bucks, and you can just see how long that lasts you. But we don't want you around. And so I remember, like, contemplating that. I was like, well, I could start stripping, and then I could just really just live the life I want. But there, I was sitting in my old room, like, that I grew up in, and I, for some reason, I just, I was like, no, I'm going to, like, I'm going to call the hospital. So I called the hospital, the eating disorder place, and they were, like, you know, telling me what I could do to get in their program. And then they asked me, so how many drinks a day do you drink? And, you know, I answered honestly for some reason and they started asking me all these questions and at the end of it they were like we can help you but first you need to go to chemical dependency um, I'm trying not to talk too fast but I probably am and then um, so I enrolled in this it was a 30-day outpatient and um, I had been to AA meetings before that were court ordered but I didn't remember them and we went to an AA meeting at our first day at rehab, and I remember just, I was listening, and right away I just felt at home, and it was, it was a shock to me that I belonged there, because what people were saying was what I had thought all my life, and the friends I hung out with were always saying things to me like, like, you just need to learn moderation, and like, they basically just didn't get it, and so I thought I was, I just thought I was really different. So coming to AA, I, I sort of knew right away, like, wow, this is where I need to be. And so I just, like, dove in super hard. I was um, 22 years old, or 21 years old, actually, and 
I just, I was like, I'm sold. Like God brought me here. The God that I knew growing up, like totally brought me to this place. And pretty soon I knew more than everybody in the AA like rooms that I was going to. At that age, I just thought I knew it all. And I thought that God had like put me there to share my story and to like share my wisdom. And after a few months, actually, I just stopped. I stopped going to AA as much and I started just going to church. Um, so I got really into church and eventually I kind of went, <laughs> I found this weird church. They were sort of like, um, and by the way, I, at this point I was already sober for like three or two years, I think, when I found the weird ch church. And <laughs> they really attracted me because the, the leaders of this group were, um, they were ex-addicts. And they claimed that they were getting high on God and that they they would do things like pretend like they were taking lines out of their Bible and um, like smoking a little baby Jesus. Like it was like it was kind of a joke, but it was also like it was so convincing to me that like how happy they seemed. They also did a bunch of uh, like they had orphanages and they visited foreign countries and like you know, asked for money to go do that. And I was just completely sold on it. So it was, it was a cult. And, um, <laughs> and I can tell you AA is not a cult because I've been in one. Um, I ended up going to, <laughs> I wanted to go on a trip with them really bad. And they, they were doing a trip to visit all these garbage dumps in Asia. And we weren't bringing anything to the garbage dumps. We were just bringing joy and um, <laughs> uh, when I was on the trip I sort of had this realization it was really kind of like a mental breakdown of realizing this whole thing was not what I thought it was so we were in India and I just sort of realized that and wanted to go home and when I got home I was just like screw religion screw AA screw God, like screw everything because I was so, I was just very disappointed um, by what I saw, which was that I had these people on a pedestal and they were just normal people who were kind of just, I think they were trying to do good, but the way they were going about it was kind of sketchy. Mm -hmm. So I relapsed. <laughs> um, I started working at Trader Joe's and in case you didn't know, a lot of people at Trader Joe's smoke weed, <laughs> like on their breaks. And I made a bunch of friends there and I was like, you know, I think I can do this. Like, you know, I've been sober for, for four years. I think that I can do this. So I started smoking weed and the main person I smoked weed with was this girl and she was very much lesbian. And I ended up deciding that I was going to start dating her one time when I was super high I was just like this will be a good idea because then I'll have someone to smoke weed with all the time um, and that turned into like a really depressing time in my life where I was basically I just wasn't being true to myself and uh, after that let's see so basically I started like on this spiral downwards but I knew that I could never let my drinking get to what it was before. I could never let it look as bad. I couldn't be getting arrested. Um, I had a head full of AA, which made it really hard to just be like, 
to drink the way I used to because what, the way I was drinking in college, like, there was no reason from like to even try to moderate. Like, I thought it was totally normal what I was doing. But I guess I was doing all the same things that I did in college, but now I was a professional. I started working in San Francisco for this tech company. But on the side, I was doing all kinds of weird stuff that nobody knew about. I would meet people in in my taxi and end up going home with them. Um, I would be doing Molly at a club on like a Tuesday and see my coworkers and be blacked out and then have to see them the next day. It was just like a repeat of high school. I was sleeping with some of my friends' boyfriends. I was throwing up on couches at 30 years old. Like I was, it, it just wasn't cute anymore. Someone in this um, group has said that like, at a certain point it's not cute anymore when you're passed out on the bathroom floor at a bar. So a lot of the time when I got to this place of like, what's wrong with me? But I'm not giving up drinking again. Like I'm never doing that again. Um, I would think like, oh, clearly I need to move or I need to change jobs. So I did that a few times. Then I ended up thinking, well, I need to find a job that really helps me like give back to people. And I found a job at this foster home. I was just looking online and it was in Austin. And I'd never, I'd only been to Austin once, but I was drunk the whole time. And <laughs> so I was like, I'll go visit. And when I visited, I was like, yep, this is, this is definitely what I wanna do. So I moved out here and I started living at this foster home. It was basically a group home for uh, sibling groups who um, their parents were usually alcoholics or drug addicts and that's why they were there. And it was the hardest job of my life. And after about a month there, I got a call from my boss saying that um, CPS was investigating me and that I had um, my fingerprints came back bad. And so all this stuff from my arrests in college were coming back 10 years later, or it was like nine years later. And I was just so, I was just like, you know, I was drinking after work all the time and going in hungover and feeling guilty about it because these kids deserved better. And she was just like, well, you know, we got to get this figured out, but you need to take some time off while, while that's happening. And so I was trying to get my paperwork from Santa Barbara, like from the, um, the courthouse and this and that. And then it just occurred to me, I was like, do I need to go to AA again? Because <laughs> I was just so sad. I was just, moving out here didn't work. Working at a job that was supposed to make me really feel good did not work. And so I ended up, I just got in my car and I, um, mind you, I didn't know anybody out here either. <laughs> so I was like super lonely as well. And I got in my car and I went to a meeting out in Lake Travis and the minute I walked in, I just felt like, I felt like that, um, that hug that I felt in my very first meeting. Sorry. So yeah, it had been like five years since I'd been to an AA meeting. And I just knew, like, this is where I'm supposed to be <laughs> once again. And I knew that I needed to do it differently than the first time I went through AA. So luckily I found Bolden <laughs> because 
taking everything too seriously was like a major character defect I think is a major character defect of mine and coming in here and um, having all the laughter and going outside after and smoking cigarettes with you guys like that's that was a huge part of my early sobriety so things that I did differently this time was I was like I'm not gonna be extreme about AA <laughs> so that meant you know, the things that you guys said were suggestions. <laughs> like, I wasn't going to do everything perfectly. And one of, the, one of the things that I kind of didn't follow was not dating in your first year. <laughs> um, because actually the first time I went through AA at 22, I stopped talking to guys. I basically became a born-again virgin. <laughs> and I went so extreme. So yeah, this time I was like, no, and I had a, I also decided I'm going to get a sponsor right away, even if it's not the right one, I'm just going to like get one and then I can change it later. And the sponsor I had advised against dating, but I had already met a guy I liked. And so I was like, well, I think I need to find a new sponsor. And, um, so I did, I found another sponsor and then I ended up finally asking my sponsor who is my sponsor now so I had three sponsors and but I think like the moral of that story is it's important to just get a sponsor and start working and then you can find the one so yeah where was I going flat oh dating so yes um when I was it's like dating does make things a lot harder because I didn't know how to deal like I just didn't know how to deal with life I felt like everything was that happened to me in sobriety was like the biggest deal in the world like I ended up moving in with a girl I met here <laughs> and she didn't have much sobriety and we ended up getting an apartment together and it was like this will be a great idea and she ended up she would she would relapse and every time she relapsed it was like my life is ruined um and you know, as I was dating, I was kind of like dating two guys at the same time. And it was like all my same addict behavior, but now I'm sober. And I don't have alcohol to like be my easy, like get out of everything card <laughs> by just screwing everything up. Eventually, um, I sort of decided on one of the guys. <laughs> and then shortly after that, I got pregnant. And I freaked out like this was the first place I came when I found out and that's sort of what I've always done I never thought that I would I always wanted to be a mom but I never thought it would happen because I when I was um, drinking after my relapse I was never able to keep a relationship I sort of knew that I was always like I was picking alcohol over all these other things I wanted and it was worth it so um, I just didn't think that having a baby was ever going to happen to me. And even when I was pregnant, I was sure that it was, I was going to end up losing the baby or that God was going to somehow screw me over just because I was so used to, I guess, bad things happening. But yeah, that didn't happen. I had my baby and she's amazing. Um, so let's see, what should I talk about? I know that everyone talks about the first three steps, but like the first three traditions have been really important for me. So like the unity of this group is 
it really was my higher power because I didn't trust God at all when I came in back in here um, after the cult and after just, um, you know, the shit of life. I just was like, I don't even want to go there. Like, but I'm super willing and open to do what you guys like to do the things that you're doing. So uh, I definitely used the group and then the fact that it's a loving God is something that I am um, st starting to learn now because every time I've had issues like the apartment situation, God totally came through and got me off that lease, replaced two other people, um, got me an amazing job so I didn't have to work at the foster home anymore while I was pregnant, which would have been a disaster. Mm. You know, my relationship every day is like, it's not easy, but the person that I'm with is like the, the he's like the dream guy that I've always wanted and I really admire what he does in recovery like he has sober homes and works at a recovery place and I just I can see the ways that that we would be a good team and so we'll see what happens there but we're both in therapy um, I've just basically learned that I've got a lot more issues I guess they're called secondary issues but that drinking it, you know, it was a huge problem, but take that away. Now I've got all these other problems. <laughs> um, I've started going to Al-Anon, um, which has been really, really helpful. And let's see. Um, yeah, so I guess the main point, I don't have much more to say. This is probably too short. Oh, well. The main thing is just, I've sort, I guess what I was always looking for by drinking was being comfortable in my own skin. And um, I think that that's what I'm, I'm just learning to do slowly but surely. And that, that that's kind of the drunk feeling that I was looking for all those years. And yeah, I hope that this was helpful <coughs> and made sense. Thanks. <laughs>